Crypto curious, keep an open mind, enjoy the conversation, and stay crypto current. Now, here's your host, Richard Carthon. Today's podcast is brought to you by Rubik's, next generation blockchain inspiring innovation in the decentralized world. Rubik's is innovators of proof of harvest, consensus of blockchain mechanism that reduces carbon emissions by 100%. Rubix has primarily two types of tokens, utility tokens generated with strong mathematical proofs that are mined by nodes, and also asset tokens that represent any underlying asset or contract, including NFTs. For more information, go to rubix.network. That's R-U-B-I-X dot network. And now for today's episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Cryptocurrent. Your host here, Richard Carthon. And today I have a special guest who's currently on a holiday out in Venice, Italy, but is originally from Zook, Switzerland, working on a really, really cool project called Rubik's Network. We have Nathan. How are you doing today? Doing great. Thank you. Well, glad you could join us. Uh, before we start to learn more about Rubik's, first want to learn a little bit more about you. Can you tell us a little bit of background about yourself? Yeah, sure. So I started as a scientist, then... I was working on nanotechnology and also micro nanosystems. And later on, I moved on to become a financial advisor and investment banker. So where I started investing on crypto projects, which I found quite interesting. From the traditional finance, I moved into the blockchain economy. Later on, I found it quite interesting and blockchain seems to be the future. So that's what as per our evaluation and uh, which I strongly believe. Finally decided to step into the blockchain part. I have been in this industry for the past four and a half years. I did a couple of startups. I angel invested and I mentored and advised several crypto startups. And now I'm running a Rubik's Network as a company and a public chain. That's awesome, man. So again, you've had some experience in traditional finance and a lot of other startups, a really unique background. What stuck out to you about crypto and blockchain that made you say, I need to go all in on this? When, when you just look back, you know, people do have a very short-term memory. When you look back, okay, the world has existed like this forever, but it wasn't, right? So if you just take a step back, like when the fiat currencies were non-existent, everything was based on the weight of gold, silver, nickel, copper. So if you trade from Roman Empire to Vijayanagara, the Ming Dynasty in China, the value of the currency wasn't changing anything. It's only about the weight and the purity of the gold, which was completely established. Right. Fast forward 1971, right? So the fiat currencies have been quite unstable to begin with. And the second thing is, uh, as an investment banker coming from a traditional banking uh, industry, we have seen a lot of other problems with the database, which... Usually people, they do manipulate. Distributed ledger cannot be altered. That is something uh, which stays forever, something which you cannot uh, whitewash it. So which is a revolutionary technology to begin with? And you know, nobody can take it down because it's so decentralized. And we think, okay, so the transparency is the future. So coming back from the monetary value, 
And the second part will be the transparency. I see, okay, this is where the future is going to be. So that's where I took a jump four and a half years ago, and I'm still with it, and I'm going to continue. Yeah, I feel you, man. When I first learned about it um, back in 2018, coming from a traditional finance world, also, and just saw how this is going to, one, be more international, provide more access to people, and create new forms of generational wealth, purely from an access points, because usually wealth is, you have to be able to find a way to have access to generate it and to have financial tools that can help elevate you to that next place. And crypto is one of the first ways that you can really start to break a lot of that down and create these new ways for people to get in and get the access to these tools and get this generational wealth. But like you said, the side that you were kind of looking at more was the blockchain side and looking at how was this infrastructure, this institution starting to be built. And you um, went and created and was part of Rubik's Network, which is doing something really cool, which you are doing the, you are part of the inventors of Proof of Harvest. So can you just break down first, what is Rubik's Network? And then can you break down what is Proof of Harvest? So Rubik's Network is a public chain protocol. It's another public chain apart from the existing protocols. It is a real pure, pure peer-to-peer network. When I say real peer-to-peer network, each and every Rubik's wallet itself is a node. Unlike, uh, for example, Bitcoin or Ethereum and other nodes, those people will be completely centralized, I would say. So Bitcoin has over 1,100 active nodes. When you open a wallet of Bitcoin and you have your coins inside your mobile phone or any other device, you really don't have the coins. So the coins are actually stored in a node, which is uh, you you are interesting somebody and you're only holding the access keys for that particular coins. Whereas Rubik's, we fundamentally change the way things will work. So the moment you download a Rubik's wallet, you have your coins, you really have it. You don't have to interest anybody else. So that is one of the things we have bought it. And the second thing on Rubik's uh, is about uh, saving the power, which we are completely carbon neutral or even carbon negative, I could say. So we all know the blockchain is not, it's not proportional or not even friendly towards the carbon emissions, which is very well established. And uh, there is a new estimate saying that, okay, maybe blockchain is uh, burning enough uh, electricity power like Philippines or Malaysia or even Argentina. So it is even there is even a chance that it might even burn more than United States uh, fast forward to the future. So this is where we saw one of the fundamental problems I sh- uh, to look into it without compromising the decentralization of it. The, that's where we started, where we do not uh, compromise the decentralized part, where, um, whereas Ethereum, they are compromising the decentralized part and coming towards the proof of stake, and they are becoming more centralized. But on the bright side of it, they are becoming more energy efficient. But we want to be more energy efficient, and at the same time, we want to be completely decentralized. It should be a peer-to-peer. So we worked on this particular project for past three and a half, four years. And now we have already achieved it and uh, the mainnet is live. And anybody can download a Rubik's wallet and they shall be able to transact in no time. That's awesome. Well, congratulations on launching mainnet. We know how big of a thing that is and how challenging it can be, especially going after two major things where you're doing proof of harvest, which is, again, like you said, zero carbon emissions, 
you're not having to burn all of this energy in order for your blockchain to have value. But the other side of it that I want to spend a little bit more time on is just what are the benefits of being more peer-to-peer and decentralized? So like you said, a lot of people, you know, when they say not your keys, not your, not your wallet, you don't own it. In a lot of ways, when people think about like a Bitcoin, you put it on like a ledger or Ethereum, et cetera, and you're doing that. Can you kind of just break that down a little bit more of how something like Rubik's network is a little bit more secure and how you are truly owning your crypto? So I would like to give you two examples to begin with, which are simple and straightforward. So the first example was uh, Bitcoin. A couple of months ago, or maybe um, starting of this year, there was one particular government crackdown on Bitcoin. So the hash hash rate fell down over 60% overnight, or maybe in a week's time, which was such a short period of time. So Although Bitcoin is a, it's a peer-to-peer, people say it, but still it is fairly a centralized currency to begin with. Because to run Bitcoin, you, you really need a lot of, uh, you want to run a node. How are you going to do it? Right? At some point of time, the regulators are able to find out where are you running this particular node. So where there is a fair amount of centralization, which is spread across the globe. So there are, if all the regulators combine together, decide to ban Bitcoin overnight, it will be done. So whereas uh, the second example, recently I would would like to point to another exemplary network, Solana, which is extremely good and revolutionary technology, but the number of nodes is less than 100 or 120. They had a network outage for more than 12 hours or more, and it didn't work. A pure peer-to-peer blockchain will never have that particular issue. For example, when we say proof of harvest, what we are doing, right? As we are having a video call, on the background, I am running a Rubik's wallet and I am mining it. So as a full node, which is, uh, it's like a MacBook Air. It's nothing fancy. It's a very simple computer. And we already have an Android version of Rubik's wallet where you shall be able to download on the Android and even iPhone, which is coming first soon. You shall be able to run the uh, peer-to-peer. So for every transaction, right, uh, the moment when you do a transaction, so for example, you sent me 10 Rubik's points, and it will be validated by another 21 notaries, which are completely independent of each other. There is no way a regulator shall be able to take it down. So where we are completely making sure that we are not bothered by whatever the regulators do, that is one part of it. And the second thing, what we have done an innovation is called a, de- a decentralized identity. Every single Rubik's wallet or a Rubik's node connected to its own digital identity, whether it can be based on your biometrics or it can even be based on the pictogram or a password. So it's up to you. You have uh, many ways of choosing how your decentralized identity is going to be. If at the moment you lose your coins, right? For example, 25 to 30% of Bitcoins are lost forever and it can never be recovered unless and until you have the keys. But the moment you lose... uh, Rubik's, uh, the device or the keys, you should still be able to recover because it's, it is totally attached to you, your biometrics. You shall be able to recapture. So in terms of security, which we have seen, we have been in the cybersecurity arena for quite some time. Rubik's as a company, you could see we do have a lot of clients uh, for the cybersecurity part. We excel in that particular region. These are the fair advantages we have over other networks. Security is always going to be an essential piece to how we evolve in the crypto space. It's interesting how you're bringing the element of the biometrics. So like you said, if, for example, 
everything that happened in Afghanistan and everyone needed to leave. So let's say that someone had a Rubus Network wallet. So they wouldn't necessarily need to have their keys. They wouldn't need to have anything else like that. They could literally flee, go wherever they need to go. And as long as they had their biometrics within, they would be able to have access to their coins. Can you kind of break down like what that looks like? Because I really want to like reemphasize like how cool that is. Are you looking for more ways to engage with cryptocurrency during your day and week? One of the best ways is to follow us on our social channels. You can check us out on Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, and TikTok. We even have a private Telegram channel for all of those who check into our weekly Clubhouse sessions. So if you aren't following us yet or had a chance to see our latest content, please give us a follow today. You can find the links to our socials in our show notes and on our website. And now for today's episode. Sure. Uh, when you look back, right, uh, the future is passwordless. So the reason why do you need a password? If you want password, what is what it does? It just authorizes that you are the rightful owner of that particular asset, whether it's digital, whether it's physical, or anything else. So password is a way to get into what you what belongs to you. Right. So the future should be passwordless because. Password has to be stored in centralized data. You're logging into hundreds of apps every day, starting from food delivery or the taxi apps. All the databases will be stored on the centralized server. If there are 10 million or 100 million, if there is a 10 million passwords stored in a single database, what happens at that particular point of time? It gives hackers a lot of financial incentives to go ahead and hack into it. There is a saying that never challenge a hacker, no matter what, they will be able to get into you. So if you have something, it's just like what I feel when I was a kid, I used to watch DuckTales. It's a cartoon where Uncle Scrooge used to make sure, he used to pro protect his chest where he has a lot of gold coins out there. Right. But I feel it's the same in no matter what, people will be able to find a way and get your, get your passwords stash. So the future is passwordless. When you use Rubik's technology, which are connected to your own digital identity, the key can be given to anybody else on the planet and it cannot be hacked. And the private key is yourself, whether it can be your biometrics or it can be a key-based password, or we prefer biometrics always, whether it's a fingerprint or a voice or more, and you shall be able to access those particular points. So the example what you gave, whether it's Afghanistan or it's Lebanon or it's another country on the planet, whichever regime comes in, Whoever, whatever happens, or if you're, you shall be able to access your own assets. Right. I think as we look at some of these cold storage wallets and everything else, being able to provide different things like biometrics to be able to open them is really cool because unfortunately, there's also been a lot of people who've moved their crypto to cold storage and lost their passwords or they lost their key phrases. And like you said, that crypto has gone forever. So having more ways that people can just use their own identity going passwordless is providing that next level of security. So I think that is really, really cool. Another thing I want to bring up just really quickly is the transactions. So I know that you were saying that I believe Rubis Network is now doing more than both Bitcoin and Ethereum. Can you kind of explain that a little bit more? Sure. So whenever you download a Rubik's node, as I previously mentioned, it's its own node or a ballot or a node. So currently we have more than 10,500 nodes which is fully functioning and uh, which are on. And there are some inactive nodes, just like any other network. 
but I'm only talking about the active nodes. So which is 10,500. For example, you want to transfer one Rubik's coin to me. What happens is on the back end, automatically it picks 21 validators. So if it's 10,000 divided by 21, you can do that many parallel transactions at this point of time. So we are not bound by transactions per second game, which we have already eliminated from the arena, where TPS is a big thing. Bitcoin do seven and Ethereum can do 15. And there are some networks they claim they can do 1,000, 10,000. So we are not going for the transactions per second game. What we are doing is we are eliminating that one using the way the more number of nodes, for example, there are 100 million nodes or 21 million nodes available tomorrow. And then you can do 1 million transactions per second on Rubik's, which are totally independent of each other. No, that's really that's cool. Glad you could break that down because a lot of people, I think, miss that. One of the challenges that we're seeing in the space right now is that a lot of scammers, unfortunately, are coming in and they're going to try to manipulate the transactions, no matter like how you add more and more. They will go in, they'll try to find ways to like put in just a little bit of crypto in a lot of people's wallets to see if they do anything with it and then try to back in and instill it. So I'm sure with Rubus Network and as being secure as y'all are, y'all are thinking through different ways to continue to keep everyone's money safe, making sure everything's going securely. And by allowing that amount of nodes, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that also adds another layer of the security that you can have um, as everything's kind of flowing through. See, what you said is a real problem at this point of time. When people are building secondary layer or tertiary layer, so those problems are quite common. So let me tell you a real-world example. What is the secondary level or tertiary level scaling? So you just think about a highway and there is a toll gate which is available and you can only pass 7 or 15 cars in one second. So that is a transactions per second. So that is a bottleneck. For Bitcoin, it's only seven cars which can pass. And the highway of Ethereum can pass only 15 coins. So how do you pack 1,000 transactions within that uh, 15 transactions per second? Take 15 or 10,000, 15,000 transactions, encapsulate into one particular car and just pass inside. So what you're doing, technically, you're not wrong. You're making the network quite efficient. But you are exposing a lot of security loopholes because those 15,000 transactions are not validated peer-to-peer. -peer. Right. So only the hash or the just the transaction number are manipulated, but rest of the transactions could be rewritten. So that is where uh, there are a lot of other problems, hacking, scams, pulls, and more are happening at this point of time. So I would see that secondary scaling is a temporary solution. Going forward, it should be the primary scaling. Right. No, and, and thank you for breaking that down. I th that the highway illustration is, is really good. That was like one of the best ways I've heard that kind of told before. So I really appreciate that, that example. As we kind of just look, like you take a 10,000 square foot view of everything that's going on in the crypto space right now, and you look to where things are headed, let's say in the near term future, in the next like one to three years, what do you think the emphasis is going to start shifting towards within the crypto space? Is it security? Is it speed? Is it gaming? Like, what do you think people are going to, are the, the overall market's going to keep trending towards? So currently uh, we see the, there are a couple of, or even three to four industries which are picking up quite fast. So the first being the finance, which is decentralized finance, where Things are going crazy because we have seen banks are failing and nobody like bankers. So being an ex-banker myself, 
I know the feeling, how it works. Nobody likes the bankers, and but people seem to love decentralized finance, where for the first time in the history, you are able to access one $10 million without even having to reveal your own name, without even having to know all you need is a simple logic or program, you are able to access the capital. In the past, never happened, right? So you all need a lot of paperwork. Bankers are highly biased. They will only give the loans to people whom they know or they trust, or at least pretend to be trusting. So that is one part. And the second thing which is coming up is gaming, which is getting quite bigger on the influence uh, economy, which is becoming quite large in the crypto space. And the third thing, which is uh, digital identity, where I would see there is a huge potential which is happening. The moment the digital identity happens and a lot of existing problems can be taken away. So coming back to the same password, right? For example, uh, I want to give one example. Do you use uh, like some food takeaways or uh, even Amazon or any other delivery? Okay. So they do have your name. They do have your date of birth, your address, your bank card or your credit card details. They have everything of yours available readily for them. So and every day, now and then, you will see, keep on hearing that, okay, this company got hacked. What you hear in the news is just uh, less than 10% of it. No company will try to tell you that, okay, we got hacked and uh, our 100 million uh, users' database is available in the public. So what happened two days ago? Have you visited Thailand in the last 10 years? I have not, unfortunately, but want to. Okay, so if you have visited Thailand in the last 10 years, so your details will be available online because the whole database was leaked. I was, I visited my database. I was able to visit. So wow, it is like it is not my problem, but it is available. But so the digital identities are the way. So there are several ways of digital identity. One is for the commercial and practical applications, and second one is for the sovereign applications. Where everything has to be based on blockchain. When the digital identity based on the sovereign identity. And there is no way to leak. So the moment you make a purchase on Amazon or you make a food delivery, they only have to know your address. They don't have to know your credit card details. They don't have to know your anything else. All they have to know your digital identity, which is an identifier number, and not even your name. Okay, so why do you need to put your credit card details? Because they have to authorize it. Now, the control is coming back to you. So you have to authorize whether that guy is getting money or not. So which I see, which holds a great potential for the future. Yeah, it's very interesting. Um, how do we start to still be able to do these transactions without necessarily giving away all the information about yourself, but still have payment go through and have everything work? And I think as mass adoption continues to come to crypto and the UI of those kinds of experiences are continued to be worked on, these are real world current challenges that will be solved. So thanks for bringing that to our attention. But Nathan, you've, you've given us a lot of great information. I always like to wrap up with two fun questions. The first being with all the information you have right now, if you go back to yourself when you first got involved in the crypto blockchain space, what are one to two pieces of information that you give yourself or pieces of advice? Um, the first advice is I, I would have started uh, building digital identity way back in 2016-17. Then by this time, Rubik's would have been the number one blockchain on the planet, So, which uh, we have built it in 2021 anyway. So we still have over 3 million corporate users as we begin with, but um, 
the practical thing that would have been number one for me. And the number two would have been probably the NFTs, which we have created non-fungible tokens way back, and but we did not actually realize it, it was NFT until last year. So we used to call something else, but that particular technology has been with us for quite some time. Right. That's really cool. And it just goes to show that innovation sometimes, uh, when you are passionate about something and the timing makes sense to just jump in and go for it. Um, I always like to reemphasize to our listeners to say sometimes things are going to be pulling on you a little bit. And if you, you think you're being called to take some action on something that makes a lot of sense to you, sometimes it, it, you just got to go act on it. And the other is that when you're working on things, sometimes the timing might not necessarily be right, but when the timing is right and you're at the right place, right time, things just start happening. So I think that's a two good pieces that you would give back to yourself and appreciate you sharing that with us. But as we wrap up here, Nathan, what is a final thought that you want to leave with all of our listeners here today? Yeah, so the final thought will be crypto or the blockchain is the future. So everybody should have a basic sense or probably they should try out once how it really works. And it's like a rabbit hole. So we welcome everybody to be a part of it. Absolutely. It's a rabbit hole that you'll keep going down and you'll be happy that you were a part of. So thank you for that final thought. What are ways that people can connect with you and keep learning more about Rubik's Network? So we are available on most of the social media channels. And if they want to be a part of our developer community on GitHub, they shall be happy. Uh, we shall be happy to help them out to build smart contracts on the top of it. Or they want to be a part of uh, mining community, they can download the notes, which is readily available on our GitHub, which is open source. And if they want to be a part of our economy, and we shall be able to help them to build suitable, practical, or corporate applications on the top of Rubik's. Excellent. Cool. Well, thank you for that. I'll make sure to share all of your social links in the show notes. And if you're part of the community, especially the developer side, you want to go on and start building some stuff. That was a great invitation. Make sure you go and check it out. But again, Nathan, really appreciate your time today. And as always, for all of our listeners, stay CryptoCurrent. Hey, CryptoCurrent crew. We want to give a quick shout out to all of our faithful listeners out there. It's been an amazing journey, and we really appreciate your support throughout the years as we've been growing as a community. Each episode, we decided that we would start sharing some of the reviews that you were leaving for us. For today, we would like to share this review. Today's review comes from LVU504. As someone who is new to the cryptocurrency world, this podcast lays out the information where it's easy to understand. I recommend anyone who is interested in learning more to check out this podcast. We sincerely appreciate this review and all reviews and would like to ask that if you're enjoying our show, please take a quick moment to go and leave a review on our podcast so that hopefully we can be highlighting your review next. Simply go to our show notes or go to our website where we have a link where you can share your review today. Hey everyone, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information on today's episode and all of our episodes, please visit us at www.crypto-current.co. You can also find a link in the show notes. Want to stay up to date in the latest news in cryptocurrency? Sign up for our newsletter today. You'll receive daily emails Monday through Friday that are personalized and curated content specific to you and your interest, powered by artificial intelligence. You can either go to our show notes or go to our website to sign up today. Are you an accredited investor looking to invest in cryptocurrency? Crescent City Capital can help. Go to crescentcitycapital.com for more information. I don't know if you've noticed, but the quality of our podcast each week are improving. 
I can only thank my amazing producer, Andrew DeRitter with DeRitter Productions, who has been putting all of this together. If you have any podcast, music, or audio needs, please go to DeRitterProductions.com. That's D-E-R-I-T-T-E-R Productions.com. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Cryptocurrent with Richard Cargon. We'll be back with more exciting developments from the world of blockchain and cryptocurrency next week. But until then, stay Cryptocurrent. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Cryptocurrent. Just one quick reminder. Cryptocurrent is a cryptocurrency and blockchain education platform that's bridging the gap between the curious newcomers who are just discovering the space and the thought leaders who are shaping its future. All opinions expressed by Richard Carthon, the Cryptocurrent team, and their guests on this show are exclusively their own opinions. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Richard, the team, and their guests as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or to follow his financial advice. This show and any other cryptocurrent production is exclusively for informational purposes.